try something different. I'm going to shift from being a bi-weekly podcast and try to be a weekly podcast and try to provide you guys with more content. I felt that through the episodes that I was sharing with you guys, a lot of the times I didn't get to include personal items about me. And I know that I was in all of the episodes with the people that I was interviewing, but I wasn't able to share a lot of about me outside of this hosting gig. And a lot of things happened in 2020 that I had opinions on that I didn't really get to expose. And I didn't want to take away from the stories that I was sharing with you guys. And there is just so much that I can post on Instagram. So for 2020, you know, we all know that it was a hot mess. So I figured I would just tiptoe into 2021 with this new idea. And with that being said, I have decided that I wanted to do a vlog with a V. It's a voice log and it will just be an encore to the recent episode. So this vlog will allow for additional conversation about the topics that we discussed in that episode. It will give you an opportunity to also hear a little bit more about me, um, my likes, my dislikes, and possibly my very unpopular opinions. And I don't know about you, but after I hear some of the interviews, I think to myself, why didn't I go in deeper in that topic uh, that that person discussed or why did she feel that way? And why didn't I ask more? So this vlog will serve to dive deeper into some of those things that we discussed. So I encourage everyone to DM me questions uh, that you may have about that episode that I posted. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram at hija de tu madre podcast or send me an email at hija de tu madre podcast at gmail.com. I would love the opportunity to answer those questions for you. And I truly hope that the content I provide by doing this vlog will help us relate even more um, than we have before. So I hope that what that can do is just to maybe dismantle some feelings that we may be having and then just overall bond over our badass Latinidad. And, you know, on that note, I mean, I just want to start off by saying that, I mean, tamale season is officially here. And if there is anything that I love about Christmas, it's my mommy's tamales. And being half salvi means that you get to indulge in tamales de hoja de platano, which are plantain leaves. And a lot of people are more familiar with the Mexican style tamales with the hoja de lote or the corn husk. And I'm lucky to indulge in both. So every year, the tradition is that me and my mom go to buy all of our items. And then the day before uh, Christmas, which would be Christmas Eve, we start making them. And we head over, I head over to our house at 5 a.m. to start the process. And it's basically a time for us to just bond. Uh, mainly, it's a time for her to yell at me because I didn't roast the hoja enough or I stuffed the tamale too much and then the string won't tie. And one of the items that we use that is very special to us is a mecate. And it's special because it's truly the only thing that we have that comes straight from El Salvador. So every time my mom visits El Salvador, she brings back these strings to tie our annual tamales. And the string is called the mecate. 
it's uh comes from a plant called the tule and people usually use the tule to hand weave baskets and in El Salvador they take out the stringy part of the tule plant and then they use it to tie the tamales and you have to tie the tamal pretty loosely because when the masa cook it rises and if you tie the tamal too tight it will then spill over out of the hoja and you get yelled at and that's something that happens to me very often because a lot of the time I'm not paying attention or uh, something happens so in return I get to eat this mangled up tamal but I'm definitely okay with that uh, my mom still continues to yell at me though because I messed up the mal up but Every year, I mean, my mom complains that she didn't put enough sal or she put too much sal. And sometimes it's because they're too spicy or not too spicy at all. And I honestly cannot remember a single year when my mom just says that they came out perfect. And me and my brothers, you know, just sit there and laugh because we definitely think that it's a humble flex because every year they always come out as delicious as they were the year before. And so, you know, speaking about tamales, I mean, that just goes back to the episode that I had with Belen Amaya. Uh, she is the daughter of a Guatemalan mother and a Mexican father. And I asked her towards the end of the interview what kind of tamales her mother made. And the reason why I asked that was because I know that tamales... Uh, vary from region to region. So I have heard that the Guatemalan tamales usually come with garbanzo beans or potatoes. And I honestly have never had any tamales that have had any of those items. So I was just kind of curious to see, you know, what, how she ate them. And Belen said that her mother didn't make tamales because she didn't have the patience. And I totally understand that because the process of making tamales is a whole thing. I mean, I even mentioned that I have to get to my mom's house at 5 a.m. to start making them. And I mean, that's just for them to either get ready by 1 o'clock, I mean, 2 p.m. So, I mean, I totally understand how that uh, can be something that people just do not want to keep their hands in the masa for. And I understand that. But I mean, one of the things that I was wondering about was, and that I asked her was if she thought that maybe the reason why her Guatemalan mother, you know, marrying her Mexican father had anything to do with the fact that her mother maybe didn't make any of those dishes. And I asked this only because I saw this happening with my mom. And I do not really remember just growing up and eating pupusas when I was younger. I mean, I do remember us having the tamale tradition um, that we do have now. It wasn't as like intense. I really don't really think that we did it all the time. I think that we kind of revived it uh, a couple of years back. But When my mother married my Mexican father, she really started to lose a lot of her Salvi identity. And I know that I have mentioned in some of the episodes that my mom's Salvi accent has pretty much disappeared. And Belen said the same thing about her mom, that when her mom goes back to, to Guatemala, people automatically know that she's from El Norte, the North. So 
I got to thinking about how when us women marry someone that is not within our culture, how we mold to their habits and primarily their cuisine. I mean, culturally speaking, us Latinas are taught to serve our men. We are told that we serve them their food before we serve ourselves. And I remember my mom giving me the death stare if any of my ex-boyfriends were caught getting a plate and serving themselves. I mean, I had to get the plate ask them what they wanted, and then bring it to them. And as I got older, I definitely fought this a little bit more, um, and it didn't go over well with my mom at all. And I seriously always wondered, I mean, why was it that after everything my mom had gone through, why she was still so adamant on showing me this type of behavior? I mean, she bent over backwards for my father, and for what? I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy making food and having my husband eat it, the problem I have is that when you're doing it for someone that doesn't appreciate it, I mean, in this case, it was my father. And so, I mean, why would women continue to cook for their viejos breakfast, lunch, and dinner and have them be complete assholes to them? I mean, I don't know about you, but we should be asking even the good viejos to order us a pizza once in a while. So, I mean, while I was having this conversation with Belen, I just started wondering if the reason for our mothers losing their Central American identity was because they married our Mexican fathers. Since we're taught to give everything of ourselves, did they slowly lose a part of themselves along the way? I mean, did the pastelitos slowly become enchiladas? Did the semita and quesadilla slowly become pan dulce? And I asked this to my mom. I mean, I asked her if she thought that she lost her, you know, Salvi identity when she married my father. And she really couldn't give me an answer because she really just didn't understand what I was trying to ask her. She was more, you know, I think offended at the fact that I told her that she lost her Sal Salvadorian identity. So, but, you know, a lot of the things can't be just weighed on the shoulders of this relationship. I mean, the Mexican influence here in Texas is very strong. I mean, places to eat salvi food uh, when I was growing up were non-existent. Um, I cannot remember eating pupusas when I was young. And, you know, I asked my mom and if we, if she ever made this type of food. And she says that we have mente de pollo because we don't remember anything, but that's something else. But I mean, I honestly just don't remember having that Central American representation here in Texas. And I mean, that definitely played a large part in her losing that identity. And I always keep saying how I'm such awe when I talk to the Cali girls and they're all about their Central American representation. And I'm always so jealous of not growing up with that because I kind of wonder what it would have been like to have that identity be a part of me. And, you know, that got me to just thinking about my own identity. And I have mentioned that my husband is gringo. So in relation to my mom's story and Belen's story, my identity can see a slight change in my food. And my husband is your typical meat and potatoes type of guy. He does not like my mom's tamales. He doesn't care for pupusas. And is just not a fan of any soups. So you guessed it. I mean, caldo is out of the question. And I have to make maybe a cup of masa for my pupusas. And then I sometimes have some left over. 
And for Christmas, when I'm stuffing my face with tamales, he just has to fend for himself because I am not accommodating uh, during that time. But a lot of the times I don't get what I like because I end up having to make two meals and who needs that? I mean, pre-COVID, maybe that would have you know, been something that I was able to accomplish, but now I'm making three time, three meals a day sometimes, and I'm having to work. And honestly, like I'm just not having it. So I can see how me losing my Latina identity can easily be something that can happen over time if I let it. Um, and especially when you push what you wanted to make aside to make meals to just accommodate the whole family. And if you add the fact that items to make your food are always just not available, even makes it harder. And one of the examples is that when I lived in Colorado, I used norcubitos for my rice. And I have always been a cubito magi type of chick. So when I would come to Texas to visit, I would have to smuggle some magi packets uh, to go to go back home and make my rice. And I'm definitely not sure if there's even a taste difference between each, but it was just always the nostalgia of using the cubito magi that I loved. I mean, it reminded me of making my arroz with my mom. And my mom had to stop making her platanos with crema because they didn't have crema salvadoreña here in Texas, or it didn't taste as fresh as when it was in El Salvador. So instead, she cooked her platanos and then she only ate them with beans. And platanos with beans are by far my favorite breakfast combination. I mean, I don't make them that often because my husband doesn't really care for them. So I seriously haven't had platanos with frijoles in years. And, you know, that conversation with Belen made me realize that there are some aspects of myself that I may start to lose if I'm just not careful. And those aspects of my own identity are just very important to me. So I definitely want to hold on to them. And I appreciated that conversation with Belen because it allowed me to understand that something that my mom went through could possibly be repeated in my marriage. And although I will say I have been making caldo and if my husband doesn't eat it, he can just go make himself a sandwich. But it's hard juggling both, um, especially when you hear, you know, your ancestors in your mind telling you that you have to feed the man. You I mean, that definitely does not help. Um, and I had the conversation, uh, had the discussion on how hard it is for me to try to juggle what I want. I have to pass it down to my daughter. I mean, I love that my daughter says arroz and that she eats it. I mean, sometimes I hold her in my arms while I'm making arroz to make her and sh uh, show her, and you know, how to make it. I mean, she's only two, but I want her to start having those memories that I have with my mom about making arroz. And, you know, the idea of practicing to get your perfect arroz to look like your mom's. Uh, that's always something that's been very special to me. And my mom, you know, gives her masa and teaches her how to make tortillas. So um, although it goes, sometimes it goes, you know, beyond that, because we get busier, it's so easy to just say, you know, I'm going to make pupusas tomorrow, because sometimes, you know, making the masa is just not as easy as just putting the tortilla and putting cheese on it. And, you know, sometimes I even stall on making pupusas plenty of times because I don't have items to make curtido. And you cannot 
y pupusas without having cortido. So all of this, you know, I just want to make sure that when I make pupusas, you know, I tell my daughter and what they are and I want her to understand, you know, where they came from. So essentially she can understand where she came from. And for myself, I have to split my identities in three ways. I have to be a Salvadoreña, I have to be a Mexicana, and I have to be an American. So sometimes it's very hard to carry all of them. You know, my three identities shine on my music playlist, but juggling them outside of that can definitely become cumbersome. And I'm not here to say that from here on out, I'm going to just eat, you know, Latin food and I'm going to blast Oreja de Van Gogh on Saturday mornings, but I'm going to make sure that I'm more intentional about what I practice. I want to be more intentional. And I think that 2020, despite COVID and all its craziness, it has allowed me to be more intentional. And I have seriously enjoyed getting to know so many Latinas like myself, but y'all, I mean, there's so many Latinas out there doing the damn thing. I mean, from writing their own cookbooks to translating in doctor's offices. I mean, we're talking about representation and needing to see it, but there are so many like-minded chingonas out here. I mean, once I started to step out and really try to found a, find accounts that were relatable to Latinas, I seriously found a whole new colorful world. And the pandemic has been hard on all of us, but I'm so thankful for sharing this space and to bring you content that you may be able to relate to. And I'm also thankful for finding awesome Latinas that are just doing what they're doing and being awesome at it. All these small businesses, all these writers, and all of the essential workers out there. And I hope that we all start to question what's important to us and start cultivating the seeds to get more even better at what we're doing already. And I really do hope that through this podcast, through the content that I'm providing you guys, and through these conversations that we're having, that you truly see and reflect a little more on what's important for you and what's important for your family. And if there is one thing that I want to shout out at the top of a mountain through this podcast is the idea of uplifting each other so we can all get to the top and the idea of fixing each other's crowns instead of telling each other that it's crooked. It's such an important thing for us to be able to provide a platform for everyone else to be able to help each other out. And I'm definitely having, you know, a great time speaking to everyone that I have met along the way. And I am so humbled by everyone that has allowed me the opportunity to share these stories through this podcast. And I hope that I do their stories justice because they're definitely deserved to be told. And I hope that you keep continue to reach out to me to tell me your mommy's stories because all of these stories are so impactful in the overall idea of what immigration does to this wonderful country of ours. And like I have mentioned, it is very important for us to tell our stories so we can be able to understand our parents and maybe heal from a lot of those things that we discuss. 
also uh, be able to relate to each other and understand each other a little bit better. And I mean, all of our stories are going to be different. I mean, there are going to be some relatable items that we can all um, say, you know, I, I totally understand that, but we will always be able to gain some more information from each other's stories. I mean, I know that I'm doing that on the daily whenever I talk to each and every one of y'all. I always learn something different about ourselves and our culture. So I hope that with this additional content through this vlog, you can get some ideas of who I am as a person and how I'm, what I'm trying to convey, convey through this podcast. Because I am seriously very humbled that a lot of these ladies are allowing me to share their stories. So I hope that you enjoy this and continue to provide uh, relatable topics that I can lead, you know, to positive topics about immigration. And if you would like for me to tell your stories or have questions about a previous episode that you would like to discuss, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Hija de Tu Madre Podcast or email me at Hija de Tu Madre Podcast at gmail.com. And I definitely probably will not be able to speak to you guys before La Navidad, but I want to wish you all a very Feliz Navidad. I hope you all eat tamales to your heart's content and And I hope that 2021 will provide us with this much needed vaccine so we can all see or meet each other at some point. So salute to all and I wish you all the best and I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening.